dividends from our cryptocurrency arbitrage trading. Check out netcurrencyindex.com. That's netcurrencyindex.com. They've got all the different information over there. You can register and get more information over there at netcurrencyindex.com. That's N-E-T-C-U-R-R-E-N-C-Y index.com. That's netcurrencyindex.com. And tell them, you heard about it here, Transmedia Worldwide. Let's get to our next guest here on our big program. We are going to go to Jeff Parker. We're going to call him via the magic of Skype audio. We're going to get him in here. And we will talk to Jeff about five tips to bring your home's Wi-Fi dead zones to life. And I believe Hello, there is Jeff. How are you, my friend? It's James Lowe from iHeartRadio calling you for your radio Hi, interview. How are you, sir? I'm great. How about yourself? Pretty good, actually. We have got a great guest with us today, Jeff Parker. And uh, we're talking with the Wi-Fi guru today about five tips to bring your home's Wi-Fi dead zones to life. First of all, what is Wi-Fi and what are some of the typical causes of Wi-Fi dead zones? Tell us a little about this, Jeff. Well, if you are bringing the Internet into your home today, it's probably coming from an Internet service provider into a little box they call a modem. And so if you're okay just plugging an Ethernet cable into that modem, then you're all set. But lots of us want to use all kinds of devices wirelessly in our home, like our laptops, our smartphones, and other, other devices. And Wi-Fi lets you connect wirelessly to your Internet service provider's box and use it wherever you want to use it. Fantastic. We have got a great guest with us today. He joins us live, Jeff Parker. And uh, five tips to bring your home's Wi-Fi dead zones to life. And he is the uh, Wi-Fi guru, and we're glad to have him on our big program today. Now, how many Wi-Fi dependent devices does the average home have, and how much bandwidth do those devices typically require? Well, we're now seeing average homes that have 10 and 20 even devices connected. It could be your laptop, your smartphone, your wireless thermostat, could be smart plugs to turn your lights on and off, could be the Alexa where you're speaking into the Internet to do things for you, all kinds of devices, but at least 10 and oftentimes up to 20 devices. How much bandwidth you need, if it's just things like email or commands to turn lights on and off, you don't need a lot of bandwidth. But if you're streaming video, like to a smart TV, then you need about 15 to 20 megabits per second. And um, pretty common today that your internet service provider is going to sell you for a good price, probably about 50 megabits per second or more. So that's usually the starting point for most homes' internet service today. We've got Jeffrey Parker with us today. He joins us live here on our broadcast. He's the Wi-Fi guru. How does rebooting the router increase Wi-Fi signal, and how do you do it exactly? Well, what happens is a lot of these Internet boxes that you get from your provider come with Wi-Fi built in. And sometimes that router will get into a mode where it's selected a particular channel. There's different channels that can be selected automatically by your internet box. And maybe that channel is crowded because your neighbors are using the same channel. And if you will reboot the box, it can get a better channel because when it comes up from the starting point, it'll search for the least crowded channel possible. Um, And there's other reasons why your internet 
box can slow down. Yeah, resetting it will give it a fresh start and get going again. You know, if you've got a laptop or a home computer, sometimes you'll see it'll get into a mode and resetting it will give those computers inside those boxes a fresh start. No different with the Wi-Fi or the internet box that comes into your house. We've got a great guest with us today. The Wi-Fi guru joins us, Jeffrey Parker, and he's with us today here on our big program. Now, how can Wi-Fi connectivity be improved by switching to another frequency? Tell us about this. Well, as I mentioned, sometimes you're going to be in an environment where you're sharing the Wi-Fi channel with neighbors. If you're in an apartment house or a uh, a condominium building or a very tightly packed, uh, dense environment, New York City, Chicago, Los Angeles, you know, you may be sharing that channel with many different users. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of Wi-Fi channels. So the way Wi-Fi works is it automatically shares the channels without you getting on anybody else's Wi-Fi. If it detects there's 10 other users on the channel, it time shares it. The more people um, there are on the same channel, the slower it gets. Unfortunately, it's not easy for a user to pick a channel. Wi-Fi does that automatically. So in order for you to pick a better channel, you just have to shut your Wi-Fi off, let's say on your smartphone, turn it back on, and then it will pick the most uncrowded channel that's available. But that's why shutting it off, turning it back on, can give you a better result is it'll try to find the least congested channel fantastic we've got a great guest with us today he joins us live the wi-fi guru jeffrey parker he's with us today here on our big program now which is more effective buying a faster internet service or upgrading that router well you know it depends on how old your router is if your wi-fi router or the the modem that you're getting from your internet provider is more than, I'd say, a couple years old, you might want to consider upgrading. And the first step on doing that would be to call your internet service provider and ask them, have they upgraded their boxes? And it's not uncommon that you'll get a new box if it's more than a couple years old, which will be much faster and more reliable. And the data service that you're paying for could very likely be less expensive. These guys are in a furious uh, battle to get your business with their competitors. And I've actually upgraded my box a couple times in the last two years. And each time I did it, I got faster service for less money. So don't be shy to call up your internet service provider and ask them, what's your latest offering and how does it compare with what I'm currently paying? We've got Jeffrey Parker with us today. He joins us live here on our big broadcast, Coast to Coast, Border to Border on TuneIn, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, iHeartRadio today. It's the Tuesday edition of our big program. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about uh, distributed Wi-Fi systems. Um, What is that exactly, and what benefits does it provide to households or businesses with heavy Wi-Fi demand? Well, where you get the Wi-Fi, typically where you're internet service provider locates their box, you're going to get great Wi-Fi connectivity. But unfortunately, as with, uh, you know, any wireless signal, the farther away you get from that box, the less the signal integrity and signal strength is. And the data rates will get slower and slower the farther away you get. So if you've got a home where your box is on one side of the home, maybe it's in the basement, 
it's not in a central location. It would not be uncommon that the Wi-Fi isn't as good away from that box, but in areas where you'd like to use it. Maybe it's in the bedroom area, or it's in a garage, or it's in a p- area by a pool, or a porch, or deck. So there are systems out there now where you can get what's called a distributed Wi-Fi system. Sometimes they're called mesh, M-E-S-H, mesh systems. And what they are is they're boxes that coordinate with each other to spread the Wi-Fi around your space so you're not depending on just a single box to cover your entire environment. And these have become now cost-effective, very reliable, easy to install. And so if you're not getting Wi-Fi every place you want it, you might want to look on the Internet for distributed Wi-Fi or mesh Wi-Fi, and you'll see some really attractive offerings that can help you get Wi-Fi any place you want it. We've got the guru of Wi-Fi, Jeffrey Parker. He's with us today here on our broadcast. He holds over 40 patents covering various innovations in wireless technology. He's the co-founder of Parker Vision and the editor of the Milo Wi-Fi blog, a source for practical advice, new products, leading-edge technology, and dedicated to enhancing the Wi-Fi experience. He's with us today here on our broadcast. Now, um... You've got this incredible, incredible Milo Wi-Fi system. Tell us a little bit about this. Well, Milo is a system that was designed as a distributed Wi-Fi system, but it's designed for the marketplace that's uh, cost-conscious. So if you've got uh, maybe 100 megabits per second connectivity coming from your service provider, and you want to spread that into areas that you currently can't reach, the Milo system will do that for you very inexpensively. And you can purchase it one one unit at a time. If you just need one unit, you want to add maybe a couple thousand square feet of Wi-Fi coverage, you can do that. You want two units, three units, up to about 10 units, you can buy them in groups, you can buy them individually, but you can get Wi-Fi most anywhere in your home you want, and you're going to end up getting fast connectivity reliably for very uh, inexpensive cost. We've got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here in our broadcast, Jeffrey Parker. He is the Wi-Fi guru, and he joins us today here on our big broadcast. Now, um, let's talk about some of these tips to uh, bring your Wi-Fi dead zone. Um, you talk about keep the router away from metal. Tell us a little bit about this. Well, wireless devices do not uh, penetrate through all structures. So if you were to take your Wi-Fi router and put it inside of a metal cabinet, as an example, you wouldn't get much Wi-Fi signal outside of that. So you want to keep keep your Wi-Fi router away from metal, uh, especially if it's going to block the signal going in a direction that you're hoping to use it. Um, also, lead. A lot of Wi-Fi routers don't like mirrors that have lead in them, another, you know, another metal. And so keep it away from mirrors. If you can... Put it in the most open, unobstructed space you can find, and that's going to give you the best results. We've got the Wi-Fi guru, Jeffrey Parker, with us today. He joins us live here on our big broadcast. Now, um, we talked a little bit about switching to a less crowded frequency. Um, Give us kind of a a step-by-step on how we do that, because uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people in our audience that, that are unfamiliar with having to do that. 
and uh, it it might scare them or, or or what happens. Give us give us some details here. So the easiest way to switch to a less crowded frequency is to let the Wi-Fi router do its own selection for the user not to have to interact with it. So the best way to do it's actually fairly straightforward. Unplug the power to your Wi-Fi router, give it a couple of seconds, plug it back in. It will automatically do a scan of your space and determine what's the least crowded channel, and it will select that channel, and then your devices will automatically connect to it at that channel. So all you really have to do is just power it up from scratch, and it'll do the job for you. But it's a good idea every now and then to um, you know turn the power off and bring it back onto your Wi-Fi router to give it the opportunity to do that. One of the challenges with these Wi-Fi routers is once they make a connection, they tend to hang on to it, and they're what we call very sticky. They won't let go of that connection, even if it's slow. So you sometimes have to force it, and the way to force it is just to turn the power off, wait a few seconds, and turn it back on. We've got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here in our broadcast, Coast to Coast, Border to Border. The Wi-Fi guru, Jeffrey Parker, is with us here on our Tuesday edition of our big program. Now, um, one thing that uh, I know a lot of folks do, especially in, in the Netflix world and everything, is they reboot their router frequently and reboot it regularly. Uh, give us, give us your, your thoughts and feelings on this whole thing. Well, the reason that it's a good idea to reboot your router um, and even the modem that comes from your Internet service provider is the computers that are inside those devices that are doing all of the, the uh, computations that move video, move wireless, do the functions that make these devices work. Sometimes those computers will get into a mode where they're not operating in the most efficient way. And that slows them down. You know, if you have a laptop uh, and you leave it on for a long time, maybe days or even weeks, you'll see that, gee, it just isn't working as fast as it used to. That's because the computers have gotten into modes where they're still running, but they're not very efficient. The way you fix that is simply turn it off, wait a few seconds, turn it back on. It's like cleaning out those circuits from scratch. They will come up in the most efficient way possible. But over time, they will likely slow down because you've probably got them doing multiple things. And sometimes they don't stop doing things you haven't doing, even though you're not doing it anymore. They're still reserving capacity, and it slows them down. So shut it off. Give it a few seconds. Turn it back on. It'll clean out any unwanted functions you're not using anymore. Everything will speed back up, and you're back in business. We've got a great guest with us today. He joins us live here in our broadcast, Coast to Coast. Boulder to Boulder, Jeffrey Parker is with us. He's the Wi-Fi guru. And um, now, I know that uh, a lot of folks want to know about the latest uh, hardware and updates and things. Um, What what can you, when you call up your internet service provider, uh, what do you ask them? Well, you're going to want to ask... If you're talking to an internet service provider, first of all, are you getting the latest version modem, which is what moves the data in and out of your house, are you getting the latest version modem they have available? Some of that's going to depend on how much speed you want. If you're only looking for 50 or 100 megabits of speed, the latest modem isn't really necessary. 
uh, modems going back three, four years ago would be fine. But if you're looking to get 200, 300, 500 megabits per second, uh, some neighborhoods now even have a gigabit, you're going to need the latest modem. The other thing you're going to want to ask, so it's going to be speed. Secondly, you're going to ask what kind of Wi-Fi is built in with their offering. If you don't get at least what's called 802.11 A like Apple, C like Charlie, Apple Charlie, 802.11 AC, you're not getting the latest Wi-Fi. And the reason that's important is you're going to get the fastest wireless with that, and you're going to get the best distance. So you want to make sure you're getting 802.11 AC Wi-Fi built into whatever their offering is, and depending upon your speed, you might want to make sure you're getting the latest modem they have available as well. We've got a great guest with us today. Jeffrey Parker joins us here in our broadcast. Now, um, uh, before we go, how do we find you online, social media, websites, all those things? We've got a website that's under um, Milo Wi-Fi, M-I-L-O, Wi-Fi, MiloWiFi.com. And on that website, we've got all kinds of tips and tricks for how to set the Wi-Fi up in your home, how to make sure it's operating to the fastest speed, the best distance. We sell some products on that website that will help you get Wi-Fi any place you want to use it. Um, got a great customer service organization you can call. Even if you don't have our products, we'll help you with anything. 